show to everybody. So we got like a buffer. So now it's showing. All right. So, hey, everybody, welcome back to my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads. I have a special guest for you guys today. I met somebody at Justin Lee's Howell's wedding. So Einstein's wedding, the one that always does uh, help, help me out with my Sunday school lessons and Bible studies. And you always see him on my YouTube channel. So uh, he got married two weeks ago, July 16, 2022. So he's on his honeymoon right now. And I have a special guest for you guys today. So this is the person who coordinated the wedding who, uh, well, I won't say coordinated, but you, you mean, you kind of did. You were the pastor of the wedding. You know, you, you, uh, I don't know what to call it. You, you uh, just got them uh, wedded or whatever you call it. So, so this is a, uh, uh, pastor Terry, uh, and yeah, so when I met him at the wedding, we just talked it out and we just clicked. And I never met anybody that knows the Bible like he does. So it was really uh, motivating for me to meet somebody like this and just click with and to help me with my uh, videos and doing Bible studies and Sunday school lessons. So guys, you guys are about to be impressed and mind blown and just this is about to be crazy. So uh, dang, I should change the title. I said that the verse of the uh, verse of the day is John eleven forty eight. So uh, we kind of want to focus on that anyway. So let's just go ahead and go through it. So guys, on Sunday, um, July 24, 2022, I did a Sunday school lesson on John 11, uh, verses 17 through 27 and verses 38 through 44. So you can see the Sunday school lesson here on my YouTube channel. And the title of that Sunday school lesson was The Word Resurrects the Dead. And with that Sunday school lesson, I didn't get to say Half of the things I really want to say with that lesson. And so you know how I am, guys. I'm going to go ahead and just do videos on what I don't finish saying and who better to do it with than Terry. So, all right. So let's go ahead and get to the verses. So we'll just go ahead and read the verses for you guys. So I have the verses already here on a PowerPoint. So we'll just go through and read it together. And then we're going to focus. Let's just go ahead and just focus on the verses. So I'll just change the title later. So uh, and somebody commented, hey, what's up? From Texas, yeah, you com you've been commenting a lot on my YouTube channel. On my YouTube channel, I appreciate you, Stephen. All right, so let's get to it. So I'm gonna read uh, John 11:17 through 27. And uh, Terry, can you see my screen pretty good? Yeah, I can see it. All right, do you feel comfortable reading verses 38 through 44? I'll have to blow it up. Just go ahead and read it. I'll follow along with you. All right, cool. All right, so let's go ahead and get to it, guys. So I'm coming from John 17. Verses 27, I mean, John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. And then I'm going to read verses 38 through 44 of John 11. All right, so here goes the verses. Verse 17, then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Mary unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask God, God will give it to thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at that last day. Uh, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection of life. And he that believeth in me, Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Verse 26, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? She said unto him, yeah, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the son of God, which shall come into the world. 
All right, so now we get to verses 38 through 44 in John chapter 11 again. So Jesus said, therefore, again, groaning himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe that thou shouldst see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Right, verse 42, and I knew that thou hast heard me always, but because the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, loose them and let them go. So guys, starting off this uh, Sunday school lesson, with uh, Brother Terry, uh, we were going to just focus on John 11, verse 44. So I don't, I don't know why I put 1148 for the title, but I'll change that. That's good. That's good that you read all the way through because I feel like it gives us a little bit more perspective of what this uh, this scenario in the Bible is really talking about. Um, yeah. yeah. So read read verse 1 and 2 again. So verses 17 and 18. Yeah, read the first two verses over again. All right, so when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. You know, I, I really want I really want you to think about what this is saying right here, because Jesus already knows the end from the beginning. He already knows what's going to happen on the other side of your situation. And, and I really believe that we all have a situation and we all are in a place that we're believing God to get us through, you know. And in this situation, we can see where where Jesus already knew what the outcome was going to be, but everyone around him didn't seem to know. And, and in verse one, you know, he he already knew the impossibility, but yet the possibility of impossibility is beyond anything that we could ever think or or imagine. Because we always look at the impossibility and God says, no, 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 you don't understand. As believers, I want you to look at the possibility in your impossibility. I want mm. you to understand that I am the, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. And I determine what happens from the beginning to the end. And nothing can come against you unless I allow it. And, and I, I love how this scripture reads because it says that, they were they were at I believe that they were already at the end of yourself. And church, I would say to you tonight, you can't even start to begin to believe God until you reach the end of yourself. You know, because we all try to do things in our natural strength. We try to do things in, in the way that we feel that we're going to do it in our flesh. And God says, no, 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 no. I want you to understand. I want you to have a crazy faith. I want you to believe me beyond your situation. How many of you know that we are within the sound of my voice? that all you got to do is believe him beyond your situation. So you have to you have to realize all the things that he's brought you through in the past to understand what he's going to do in your future. And once you understand what he's already done in your past, then you can have got the ability and the knowledge and the and the forethought and the experience to believe him for the greater things. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it says that he had lain in the grave four days. Now, I want you to think about Jewish culture. I, I believe that Jesus always waits to the end. 
so that he can show you how bad he really is. Yeah. In, in Jewish culture, they believe that after four days, the spirit would be gone. They believe that, that there was a period that the spirit would hover around the body and that it waited four days before it would actually leave and, and exit into eternity. Right. And that there was a chance that it could return to the body. So, so Jesus, oh, I love how Jesus works because he always waits to the last minute. But can I tell you, church, it's never too late. Mm -hmm. And he waits to the last minute so that he can show you how awesome he is. Why? Because he wants your worship. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. I'm about ready to preach right now. It, yeah. it, it's about worship, people. It's we. That's what we were created for. Right. And he waited to the four days because he wanted he wanted everyone to know, to know, to know, to know, to know. Mm -hmm. That there was no mistake that Jesus is in the house. Can you shout amen? amen? That Jesus is in the house. And when Jesus shows up, everything changes. <laughs> See, nothing stays the same. We understand that when Jesus shows up in our situation, everything changes. Mm -hmm. So he waited till the four days was over so that there would be no mistake that he pulled Lazarus out of the grave and that no one else did. Mm. Man. And that's what I was going to say, too. I'm going to just go where you were coming from, too. So uh, one thing I kept on butchering in the Sunday school lesson was where Jesus was when uh, the messenger that Martha and Mary sent to talk to him to get him to come heal Lazarus before he died. You know, uh, the city he was in was in Bethabara. Yeah. Bethabara, something yeah. like that. And yep. uh, so that they said that that was two, it was a 40 minute walk. So mm -hmm. it was 20 miles or something, two miles. Mm -hmm. No, miles. it had to have been 20 miles. So it's 20 miles and it's uh, 40 minutes away. So he could have, you know, made it in a day. Like there's no way that the messenger didn't get to Jesus in like a day. Right. Yeah. But uh, when he got to Jesus, Jesus said something to him. So mm -hmm. at the very beginning of the chapter in John 11, verses three through four, uh, it says, therefore, his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom loveth is sick. Right. So the sisters sent a messenger to Jesus to tell him that. And, yeah. when, and in verse four, it says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified. Right. So like, <laughs> like, that's crazy that he said that because it's going to we're going to talk about that with verses 38 uh, through 44 in John chapter 11. But like he was saying that, you know, the sickness is not unto death. Right. Lazarus died. So what is he talking about? Like, <laughs> Well, I, I think it's I think it's simple, Sean. I think he was basically yeah. saying, look, there is nothing impossible for me. Right. And just because it looks like it's impossible doesn't mean that it actually is. And right. I think Jesus already knew the end from the beginning. See, he already knew that he was going to be there at the right moment at the right time to pull Lazarus out of his situation. I believe that Jesus was a radical. And I believe that if anyone took the, the opportunity or the time to listen to what he was saying, they would see how radical he really was because he made some bold statements in front of people. Yeah. You know, he told him, he said, this sickness wasn't unto death. And people were thinking, what are you even saying? How do you even say that? Who are you to even say that this is not even unto death? Who are you? Who are you? And he said, I am the Messiah. 
am Jesus. I am the one that you've been waiting for. And it just amazes me how many church people can't even recognize Jesus when he shows up in your situation. It's amazing to me how many people that pray and expect God to show up don't really believe that he will. And then when he does, they're surprised. Right. It just just boggles my mind how we pray, but we pray empty prayers and God still honors them anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe that, you know, there, there was, you know, a group of people there that were saying, this is impossible. God ain't going to show up. And when he did show up, they didn't even recognize it because they didn't believe that he could do it in the first place. God help us. Yeah. And that goes back to verse 17. Like then when, when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days. So you said it earlier. So the uh, Jews in that time period, like everybody has things that they believe like right now, like theological wise, like life after death wise, like, and it could be a misconception, like it could not be what really happened. So like the Jews in that time period thought after three days, that's the main point everybody got to get after three days that that's uh, when a person dies after three days, like their soul just lingers around the grave, you know, for three days and then they go off into glory. So yeah. after the, after three days, that means, on the fourth day, this is where the text start, starts off. On the fourth day, that's when Jesus showed up. So he showed up when everybody assumed that Lazarus was gone and he can't come back from the grave. He can't come back from the dead. So Jesus wanted, this is why Jesus waited. Like Jesus is that, and God is always at work. I mean, he's always trying to, he's always trying to help us to grow in our faith. He's always trying to help us to be what we need, where we need. He's trying to fix us to where we need to be spiritually, right? Yeah. For everybody. And yeah. so he, this is what he was doing with Martha, with Mary, with all the onlookers that came and with the and the disciples especially. Like they were, he was fixing what, you know, their limit that they thought of of, of God, really. And, and their limit of what they thought was possible because nothing's impossible with God. Like that's what no. we're No, and he brings us to the place of uh, to end ourselves. You know, I believe the four day was a significance of when we can listen. Well, Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus. When we can come to the end of ourselves, then God can truly begin to show us who He really is. Mm. It's not really. Oh man, thank you, Holy Spirit. It's not really about how we are able to believe God. I I really want to set some people free tonight. Can I set you free tonight? And I want to tell you, it's not in your own strength to serve God. It, it, you know, the victory that we talk so much about as pastors and believers is, is really a simple concept and it's called surrender. When you can get to the place where you surrender to the leading and guiding and the prompting of the Holy spirit, that's where victory is because the Holy spirit knows what you need and knows what everyone around you needs And he's able to meet that need through faith and believing in who he is. Mm -hmm. And you can't get to that place of resurrection power until you die unto yourself. So Lazarus, man, I would boldly declare that. mm, Holy Spirit, thank you. It, it, It comes down to where Lazarus had to die. He had to die. He had to die in orders to the where he could live. If Lazarus never experienced the death experience, he could have never experienced the resurrection experience. And that's for us right there. He he could have never chose to live again, you know, and I I love how so many people 
and I've dealt with a lot of people who are caught up in addiction. And if you're, if you are able to hear me tonight, understand that my profession is addiction. I understand addiction. I've been there myself and I understand what it's like to be bound up in something that's bigger than yourself that you can't get free from. You know, we walk around. So we go to church and we're liberated and we understand that we've been set free, but (laughs) you can't be set free until you know you're set free. And that, and that requires you to be set free in areas of your life. You may know you're set free from one area, but you don't know you're set free from another. So you stay bound up. And then we as church people, we want to start judging them folks. Oh, they ain't Christians because they still bound up. Man, church, you better look at yourself, your flaky self. You better start realizing what junk you're caught up in before you start to cast judgment on somebody else. Yeah. You know? But you better understand that Jesus knows it all. Mm. And and he knew that there was gonna there was gonna be something that Lazarus needed. That no one in the crowd, including Nazareth, uh, Lazarus himself, knew that he was going to need. Right, man. And, I, and it's in so many ways that G- what Jesus was doing in this text, like that he was doing that right there. So, like, yeah, one thing, I mean, yeah, yeah. One thing I was going to focus on is don't rush God. Like, talk. I want to talk about God's timing real quick. You know, okay. Like, yeah. Jesus waited and he took his time to get to Lazarus. For or a lot of reasons, like one reason was so everybody could see the glory of God at work, and then another reason was so that everybody could have a better understanding of who God is, you know, about how powerful God is, you know, why we should have faith in Jesus, why Jesus is everything and the only way to God. Like a lot was at work here, right? That Jesus was trying to convey, and there's something else I got for you guys too. Is, you know, don't trust in your own belief of what the power of God is is greater than what you can ever imagine and fathom, right? Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And then also, you know, God is always on time, even when you think he's late, right? God's on a time, he's on a different timetable than us. So we need yeah. to stop trying to rush him, stop trying to hurry him up because he's he's preparing us, right? He's getting us ready. So a lot of Thank us want things to happen right now. Uh but yeah, it's not it's not I want to tie off into what you just said because that's really that's really pointful. But I really I really want to bring a little balance to what you just said, and that's mm-hmm. simply this. That God moves through people. God is not a a magician where he just magically makes things happen. The church has authority over the earth. The church has authority over the earth. The church has authority over the earth, over the devil, over every circumstance, over every situation. The church has the authority. Now, what does that mean, preacher? I'm thank you. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. I'm going to answer your question because you asked me. (laughs) What that means is it's simple. If we have the authority, then we need to use it. And if we don't use it, then the devil is able to abuse it. Mm -hmm. Now, what I want you to understand is, and this is key, church. It's it's key. Is that as we use our authority. God is able to intervene in any situation. God is a gentleman. God has given the church authority. God is sovereign, and he is ultimately in control. Why is he in control? Thank you for asking. The reason he's in control is because he understands the end from the beginning. He understands what's going to happen before it ever does. He's already played this whole thing out, and he's already won the war. Hallelujah. But what you have to understand is we have a role to play in that. 
Okay. And we have to declare our authority over every situation in our life. If we don't, what uh, I had a preacher tell me one time, he said, whatever you allow, God allows. So whatever we allow to take place in our life, God allows it because we allow it. Why? Because we have the authority and God's not going to override our authority. Now, what does that mean? That means that we have got to continually use our authority. And now I'm not a blab it and grab it and name it and claim it preacher. That's not who I am. What I am is I'm a man of faith. I believe in what the word says. I'm, I'm a radical. I'm a, I'm a crazy man. I'm a lunatic. I believe in what the word says. And I believe that if we will live by it and, and apply it to our lives, then we can have everything that word says that we can have. That's the, that's the kind of man that I am. I just, I'm just crazy enough to believe that Jesus meant everything that he said. Hmm. And so when Lazarus was in his situation, he, Jesus already knew. He already knew that Lazarus was a free man. Lazarus did not know it. He did not know it. Church, you don't know it. People didn't know until God tells you. No. And so when he he had the boldness, and I, I think Jesus was a radical like we are because he had the audacity to stand in front of a billion people and say, <laughs> I'm the guy, I'm the one you've been waiting on. I'm the one who's calling Lazarus forth right now. I'm the one who's telling you he's gonna live. Mm-hmm. Listen to me. When the doctor report comes and it tells you that you're going to die, when the devil tells you you will never get that job, when the devil tells you your child's going to die in their addiction, when the devil tells you that you will never get free from your situation, he is a liar. He is a liar. All the devil can do is pervert the truth that's already established by God. What does that mean? That means that a lie is simply a perversion of truth. So there has in order for there to be a lie, there has to be first an established truth. And as Christians, that's the truth that we live by. And if we refuse to live by that, then we are we are negating the power of the word of God. And we as Christians have to understand that anything the devil tells us that's a perversion of truth. Hallelujah. I'm about ready to bless somebody. You ready for a blessing? I'm going to give you a nugget. Here it is. We believe the opposite of whatever the devil has told us. And that's the victory we get to have. How many of you know within the sound of my voice that it's what you believe that you're able to have? If you don't believe you're free, then you can never be free. If you don't believe you're liberated. And that those that you pray for, God really answers those prayers, then you'll never see the victory on the other side of that. Amen. Amen. <coughs> All right. So you got a Bible in front of you now? Go ahead. I said you got a Bible in front of you now? Mm-hmm. You switch spots. I'm actually in um <laughs> a common room of my house. Oh, okay. I came in outside because I was getting in the dark and you wouldn't be able to see me. Right. Appreciate it. All right, you ready to go to verse 19 and 20? Let's try to do two verses in one. All right, so uh, verse 19 in John chapter 11. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him 
but Mary sat still in the house, right? So verse 19, like some of the points I have for you guys is uh, just talking about, you know, what happens when we comfort others, you know, uh, after they lose somebody or just comforting people in general. And by the way, I said the wrong thing. So Jesus was coming from uh, Bethabara to Bethany, where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was, and it's two miles away. So it's a 40-minute walk, right? So let's go back to verse 18, like I was trying to say. I mean, verse 19, you know, when Martha and Mary, you know, all the Jews came to comfort them, right? So uh, one point I have is, have is without Jesus Christ, the comfort people offer to others can be very limited. And then also uh, when godly friends and relationships are taken from us, you know, we need to be comforted and we need to comfort others as well. And so in this for a setting and how what people used to do back in this time period was it was customary for people, you know, for uh, the Jew. When somebody passed away, it was custom for a procession, what's the word I'm trying to look for? A procession of people. Yeah, a procession of people to yeah. of relatives, friends, and even hired mourners, right? Yeah. So hired mourners, that is crazy, crazy to accompany somebody being buried, right, to the grave, in, to, in their grave, right? So these people would mourn with the mourners and give them encouragement. They would even give them food and stuff. So this is what verse 19 is talking about. Like Jews from all over came, right, to comfort Mary and Martha in their loss. And that's important to understand because that means like what Jesus is about to do is about to be seen. So we're going to see him with verses 38 to 48. He's talked louder so that everybody could hear what he was saying and everybody could know who he was. Right. So this was he's about to blow everybody's minds with with what's about to happen. So, yeah, you know, I think it ties off really with, uh, you know, people we have in our life. They want to encourage us, but but they don't have the ability to because they don't understand. Right. What we're going through. And, you know, you got so many people that come into our life that try to encourage us, but they have no clue what we're going through. So so the comfort really isn't really that comforting because, you know, I had the Holy Spirit tell me, said, Terry, you know, you can't teach something when you don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. You, you can't teach other people stuff that you've never been through yourself. You, you you don't have the capacity to have the empathy to understand, to convey to other people the message that they really need to set them free because you have no clue what they've been through because you've never been there yourself. And, you know, and I believe that's a lot of people in the church. They're trying to comfort us and we try to receive, oh, make me feel better because I feel so sad. And, and you know, and we, we draw upon the strength of other people. And God said, I don't want you to draw the strength from the other people. I want you to draw the strength from me. Mm-hmm. It, it's simple, people. I'm the life of source of, of your entire being. And I don't want you to trust other people for comfort. I want you to come to me. I want you to have a relationship with me. And so many people are, are seeking, you know, comfort in so many other things other than Christ. And they're seeking comfort. And, and, you know, I'm just, can I just be completely real with you? Sometimes we want people to co-sign our bull crap. Mm -hmm. Mm. Sometimes we want to be in our stuff and we want somebody to say, it's okay. It's okay. Because we we don't really want to believe that God will set us free. You know why? Because we don't want to be free. Mm -hmm. We're in our comfort zone. We're in our place of acceptance that this is how my life's always going to be. You wouldn't believe how many people I met 
<clears throat> that lived their whole life, you know, um, believing that their life is supposed to be a certain way. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Believing that their life is supposed to be a certain way when God says it's supposed to be something different. And they refuse to accept that deliverance because they simply have been caught up in their situation for so long. Yeah. And, you know, there's a certain level of faith that God requires. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's like once I understand that God has liberated me or has liberated or has set me free from a situation then I can go after that situation and I can live like I'm free. The problem is, can I, can I, can I teach you something? We believe that God has the capacity to set us free. We believe that God does do set people free, but we don't believe that God has literally set us free. We don't believe that God has done something great in our own life. And that's why we don't receive it or see it in our life. Because we don't, we, we know God has the ability to do it. We know God that can do it, but we just don't believe that God will do it for us. Mm. And that's the problem with cosigners. People who cosign us in our situations, you know, I, I, I love to be comforted, but I don't want you to comfort me and keep me, um, you enable me. Mm. You're an enabler. How many enablers are out there right now? that hear what we're saying tonight you're an enabler can i can i tell you that you can enable a loved one into death you can continue to encourage somebody so much that they become comfortable with the encouragement but they don't come become comfortable being set free mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if we could just really look around the church and look at people, you know, uh, what really boggles my mind is how I can go to church and sit in a pew and and sit in a full gospel Bible teaching, fully anointed church, anointed by the Holy Spirit and seeing the power of the gifts of the spirit flowing through the church and see people walk in there bound up, <clears throat> excuse me, bound up. And turn around and leave bound up. I want to just tie off with this right here. Mark 16, very last verse in Mark 16. It says, the Great Commission says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall do all of these things. And it says, the word, confirming the word with signs following. How many of us go to church week after week after week and we see no signs following? We hear a great word, we, but we're comforted by those around us. You know, we're, we're you know, and, and we're continually being, you know, encouraged to the point of death, people. Come on. I, I'm preaching to the hungry folks right now. We get so encouraged by the encouragement that we forget who the encourager is. Mm. <laughs> I want to stop you right there, because that's my that's where I was gonna go at. So what Mary and Martha didn't know at that time was that Jesus was coming to give them more than a hope for the future. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes disappointments are really God's appointments. Like disappointment, defeat, and despair are despair. They're tools for God 
to show us a different way, you know, show us how he really operates. So like with uh, Mary and Martha's situation, man, like only Jesus can give you the comfort that you really need. And we're going to see that Martha went to Jesus in the next verse in verse 20. But before we even talk about that, I want to say like, um, you know, Jesus understands what all of us are experiencing or going through. You know, Jesus understands and has felt what you felt feel before. Like he struggled, has this, he had the same struggles as all of us. And I've been trying to find what scripture verse that is for the longest. This is, and like Peter said it, Peter said like, you know, all of us only, every single one of us only experienced a little portion of what Jesus went through. Just a little portion, because none of us can drink the whole cup that Jesus experienced. And that's how much, and that's another scripture verse. You know, we have a high priest that's not able to improvise or sympathize and understand what we are going through. Like, he understands it all, right? So, like, he's about to show up when Martha and Mary needs them the most, because everybody else was giving them comfort that was a lie. Like, after four days, Lazarus is gone, right? And Jesus is saying, no, he ain't gone. Like, I'm about to show you something real quick. I'm about to show you that I can go beyond the limits of your understanding yeah. and your situation. You know, right. some of us have been in our situations for so long. Listen to me, Sean. We believe that we've been in our situations for so long that there's no way that God can show up and pull us out. Mm-hmm. That's so many of us. And, and unfortunately, it's pastors in the pulpit. It's people in the congregation. It's it's our teachers. It's our pioneers. It's it's the people in authority over this nation. Yeah. They they have no clue what power is actually available to them. I, I love Colossians where it talks about that that in him was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I like what the what the Amplified says, who is also in you. Woo! <laughs> I mean, Lord, we could stop right now, set this phone down, set these computers down, and start to dance across the floor. In, our house. in fact, I might just get up and start dancing right now. Uh-huh. Because we understand that we've been set free and that the whole Godhead bodily is on the inside of us. Right. You know, Jesus was a, was bold because what he said, he knew he could do. And he knew it meant something. He knew he could back up whatever he said. How many of y'all been in a situation you let your mouth overload your butt (laughs) and you got caught on it? I wonder how many times Jesus was in a crowd speaking boldly and somebody tried to call him on it and they ended up getting called. (laughs) I mean, mean, even believers, man, even the common folk. Right. I, I'm going to tell you, man, the biggest people I've had problems with has been Christians. It's the lost people I get along with. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. You know why? Because the lost people want something they don't have. The good people think they already got it when they don't. Right. You know, and, you know, the, the Bible says they will know that you're my disciples by the way in which you love each other. Oh, my goodness. Let's go back and visit that. Man, we need to talk about that some night. What does God's love really look like? You know? Next video. And I, and I want to say this right here, and then I'm, I'm going to let you talk. And that's this right here. When you understand how much he loves you, <laughs> then you know he doesn't want you to stay dead. <laughs> right. 
He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all to come to him, right? So, like, everybody should have an experience like Lazarus had, a resurrection. It should be a life change to the point where you're living the when you're living it out, man. I go to work and people say, "Why do you smile all the time?" Because I'm happy. Why are you happy? Because I know I win. Yeah. It's almost like you know being a gambler and betting on a football game, and in the time you're smiling because you already know you're going to win the game. You know, I love what Jesus said. He said, "He said." In the world you shall have tribulation, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. I mean, we already know that we win. We win. And so many of the church doesn't believe that they win. Right. How much do we minimize the power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross Because we refuse to understand that we've already won. Mm -hmm. And when I understand I've already won, guess what? It's going to reflect in everything that I say and everything that I do. Go to work with a smile on my face when everyone else's life is falling apart. Even Listen, even when my life is falling apart. Even when my own life... It's falling apart. Mm. I know that a greater purpose is going to cause me to rise above it. And that no matter what it looks like now, it's going to be better. Because my Lord refuses to leave me in my situation. It could have been very easy for Jesus that day to say, you know what? You're right. He's dead. You're right. He's not going to come back. You're right. It's hopeless, everybody. Go lay your heads down on your bed and cry because he's not coming back. Go ahead and lay your heads down and realize that your situation is never going to change. Go ahead and realize that your loved one's never going to get saved. That the very the very dream that you have been praying for for years is not going to happen. But he didn't say that. And he did not do that. He said, Lazarus, bring your butt up out of that grave and come to life again. I want to declare to you tonight by the anointing of the Holy Ghost That whatever your situation you're in tonight, wherever you are watching this right now, that God understands where you're at. And that God is going to blow up in your life like you've never seen him before. And he's going to bring you out of that place that you have spent so many weary hours praying and crying about. And that God is going to birth a new vision and a new heart inside of you. And give you the strength and the encouragement that comes from heaven and not from people. That will pull you out of your situation and bring you into a new season in a new place. Can you shout amen right now? Can you shout it? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I believe what you're saying. Because I'm telling you right now with boldness and faith. God's going to pull you out. 
Can I tell you why I know that? You have no clue who I am and what I'm telling you tonight because you have no idea what my story is, and that's okay. But I'm telling you right now, he pulled me out. And I spent years waiting for him to pull me out, and he finally did. And can I tell you that when he did it, it was at the perfect moment of time. And, and can I tell you two other things? Be obedient to the following of the Holy Spirit because God works through people. And if you're expecting your breakthrough that you have been praying for, your destiny and your breakthrough depends on the obedience of someone else. And if you want someone to be obedient to the calling of God and to the mercies and to the will of God that concerns you and yourself and your family, that is totally contingent on the, on the obedience of somebody else, can I tell you, church, you got to be obedient first yourself. Be obedient to yourself because the same way that your destiny hinges on the obedience of someone else is the same way that someone else is obedient. Someone else's destiny hinges on your obedience. Mm. And we're seeing it day after day. We're seeing it in this story right here. You know, there was two, there was two contrasts of people. Why, why was this written in the Bible? Mary and Martha, one chose to sit and be complacent, <laughs> and one chose to go after Jesus. Let's go to verse 20, because you just, you're going where I was about to go. So in verse 20, that's what he's talking about. In John 11, verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house, right? So like, that reminds me of like uh, the story of Mary and Martha that everybody knows where Mary, Martha was the busybody and was cooking for the disciples and the crowd, whoever. And Mary would just sat down with Jesus and enjoy Jesus's presence. And Mary and Martha complained and said, you know, tell Mary to help me. And Jesus said, Mary's doing what she needs to be doing. Right. And then it shows the contrast here between both of them two, how, Mary, it shows just their character too. I would say Mary could be looked at as more traditional and uh, I won't say conservative, but you know, in this sense, she was more traditional. Like, because it was a custom in this time period whenever somebody passed away that everybody, first of all, uh, everybody would support you. All the Jews were there for a week, right? So for six days. So Everybody was going to console you, give you food, and be there for you. So Mary, and it was custom for everybody to sit down with the people who lost somebody and to be there for them, right? And so it was custom as well for those people that lost somebody to stay in the house so that everybody could come and console them and give them everything that they need. But we know that only one person can give us what we really need. And Martha, it's so funny. Everybody downs Martha and Doubting Thomas, like, but Martha, in this situation, what did she do? She went to Jesus, right? She ran to Jesus. Like she said, forget the tradition, forget the customs, forget what, what you know everybody does, the rituals and all that. I'm going to go to Jesus. And that's one point I got. You know, religion sets rules. Jesus sets us free. You know, and, and then God is bigger that's than our right. traditions. You know, he's bigger than our rituals. He's bigger that's than right. our religions. You know, he's bigger than the laws of man. Yeah. So, you know, we got to stop living in him and putting him in a box to tradition. 
and what yep. main does and everything. Because yep. when the spirit's at work, it's different than what everybody else says to do. And that's what Martha did because she went to Jesus. And, you know, it could be looked at in different ways as well. Because uh, one thing I was going to say, too, is like, uh, and it's, you know, maybe Martha went to Jesus to, like, warn him. Like, you know, the Pharisees are probably going to kill you because he came back to Bethany. And Bethany, he was... In last time he was in Bethany, which wasn't too long ago, it's like two months before or something. It was real close. Last time he was in Bethany, he uh was somewhere and the Pharisees asked him a question. They said, you know, tell us what did they say? They said, you know, tell us, you know, who you are, basically. And, and Jesus like was like, I already told you who I was. You know, I and the Father are one. And just him saying that, which he's about to say right here as well. This is why he spoke loud in verses 38 to 44, because he wanted everybody to know that he doesn't just hear from God. He doesn't just talk with God and know God's will. He is God. He's one with God. So this is one thing he was trying to convey about uh, and trying to teach everybody with him raising Lazarus from the dead. You know, I already had this conversation with the father. We already talked about this and Lazarus was going to live. And that's what he even told the disciples at the very beginning of John 11, before we even get to verses 17 through 44, what our text is today, you know? And so, uh, yeah, let me hurry up and finish. But the Jews, you know, when Jesus said, you know, I am the father, I want the Jews attempted to stone him again, you know, accusing him of blasphemy. So this is the Pharisees. And you want to know who stood up and said, like, when they were in uh, Bethabara, and they were about to go to Bethany to, you know, do what Jesus wanted to do with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. They, they, the disciples agreed to go with him, uh, with Jesus, because they already knew Jesus was probably going to die in this situation because the Pharisees wanted to kill him for what he was professing and doing. But Thomas, out of all of them, said, you know, if Jesus dies going to Bethany, let's just go die with him. Like, let's not you know, go anywhere. Where else we got to go? Let's just go with Jesus. Doubting Thomas, right? So two people, everybody disses, you know, Martha and Doubting Thomas get a totally different, we get a totally different perspective on both of them too. And that's the, that teaches us a lot right there because like everybody want to judge people at their worst, you know, everybody judges people based on, you know, their failures, what they, uh, you know, once they fail at something, that's when we really like, you know, hone in and critique them and leave, we leave it there, right? But, you know, everybody fails. Everybody evolves and grows. And we see the growth in Miriam and Martha and Thomas, you know, like not the growth, but, you know, we just see different uh, parts of them. Same thing with Mary. Like Mary sat still in the house. Out of all people, Mary sat still. Right. We don't get, we don't see Mary ever doing that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to share that. I, I, I really believe it's two contrasts of really the picture that we see in the church today. Yeah. The complacent and and the people that are hungry, mm-hmm. you know, the people that are hungry know what God can do and they're going after it. And the complacent people are like, well, you know, I, I pe- the complacent people really, I don't know, man, they're, they're like, you know, they're like, well, I know God can do it. I believe God can do it. Do you really believe that? I mean, do you really? Because really. You know, faith without works is dead. Your works, the things that you do, reflect what you truly believe. Right. And if you're not going after God for your deliverance and your breakthrough, then why are you waiting on God to do anything at all? You know, I I, I believe that God is blessing the hungry church. That those that are hungry, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're not really hungry, don't don't whine to me. Uh, 
you know, about why you're not seeing God move in your life. You know, can I, can I just tell you that sometimes God allows circumstances to bring you to a place where you become so hungry that you can't get any satisfaction other than who he is. Because you know, have any of you ever been in such a situation, such a desperate place that you know if God doesn't show up, you're not going to make it another minute? I believe that's where this story is. It's the contrast between the two people that say, if you don't show up to me today, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it through this. And I know that there's somebody that's watching this right now that says, you know what? I'm that person. I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I'm going to make it another moment. Can I tell you that you're in the best place you can be? You know why? Because you're in the place that you're not incompetent in your own strength, but you know that someone else has got to show up and do something big in your life. And you know that you can't do it yourself, that you're in a good place because so many people believe that they can. That They haven't got to the place where they can start to see the miracles of the power of God because they're still depending on their own strength to be able to obtain that miracle. Whether it's to be good enough, read the Bible enough, pray enough, go to church enough, give enough soup out, give enough coffee out, give enough food out, give enough money out in the collection plate in order to win God's affection. Can I tell you, stop it, stop it, stop it. Because right now, you already have his favor. You already have his love. You already have every promise that he said that you can have. Stop being part of the people who are not hungry for the Lord and start asking God to make you hungry for who he is. Because your victory is not in your, your victory is not in your believing God to do anything great in your life. Your victory is in your praising him while you're in the midst of not believing at all. Because can you praise him? Simply because he is holy. Can you praise him simply because you can remember a time that he brought you through an impossible situation that you never would have got through in your own strength? Can you praise him when your life has fallen apart and say, though God, though you slay me, though life is kicking my butt right now, I'm going to trust you. You know, I, I there there's two groups of people. It's the, it's you know it's a it's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. But when Jesus was out on the water preaching to the crowd, there was two groups of people there. There was the ankle biter people that were willing to step out in the water up to their ankles, but they didn't want to go any further. And then there was the ones who went out there and just swam and swam and swam because they went against an opposition against the force of evil against something that was so insurmountable to them that they knew that if they didn't get to the hem of his garment 
they never would have survived. Hello, is there anybody out there that understands what I'm talking about right now? It, it, there, there's a desperate people, man, that, that understand. Listen, God doesn't owe you anything. You owe him. He gave his son to die on the cross so that you could live for him. He died so that you could die so that you could live for him and not for you. And when you truly get the understanding of what that truly, what the gospel is simple. The gospel is so simple, but yet we try to complicate it with so many other facets of who God is. Whether it's the church, whether it's the denomination, whether it's the organization, or whether it's just somebody who just wants to manipulate the word to control people. It's, it's just simple, people. The gospel simple. Jesus came and died to set you free. Do you believe it? Then receive it and walk in it. It's as simple as that. Does it make you perfect? No. Does it make you flawless? No. Does it mean that you won't make mistakes? No. And does it mean that people will come against you? Absolutely. Because when you choose to live for Christ, the pits of hell are going to come against you. I believe that there are two groups of people right now in the church. Those that are hungry and those that are not. I truly believe that God works through the faith of people. And I truly believe that Lazarus would have never been resurrected if Mary hadn't run to him and fell at his feet and said, come on, God, let's do this thing. Someone had to believe the word mm -hmm. in order for the word to become reality. Oh, we're about to kill it, man. That's right. That's the you open the floodgates now. I'm about to read 21 to 24. Let's go go ahead and get, do that. I want to focus on that right there before we go anywhere else. All right. So because of Martha's mustard seed of faith, that's what I'm going to call it. Because of her mustard seed of faith, the little bit of faith she did have in Jesus, uh, she was about to see a work of God. And because of her faith, other people were going to be able to see it as well. So that's what happens when you have a mustard seed of faith. Other people are going to be benefited by it as well so all right so let's go ahead and read the verses john 11 verse 21 to 24 again uh then said martha unto jesus lord if thou hast been here my brother had not died but i know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of god god will give it to thee <laughs> that's the faith that she had that whatever jesus asked the father god will give it to him but right? she would believe in that through somebody else and that's a lot of the church man right yeah yeah. yeah, I'm happy you said that too. Because like, we're about to see as well that she says that Lazarus, I know that in the last day, Lazarus will be raised from the dead. So she was saying back what she heard and she had faith in this and that's great. But the, the kicker was, I know that whatever you ask God, Jesus, he will do. And that's what Jesus did in verses 38 through 44. He asked God, like he already didn't ask God a long time ago. He basically said in verses 38 through 44, like, you already know 
what's about to happen, Lord. And thank you for allowing it to happen. So Jesus thanked him before it even happened because he already know what God's will was for, for Lazarus' life and Mary and Martha's life and all the onlookers. And that's how it is when you're in line with God's will. You can have confidence and thank him before things happen because you know what his will is because you're so in tune with him in tune with the spirit. And that's, that was Jesus. You know, he is God, right? So let me go back to reading. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again, right? Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So, uh, yeah. So one thing I want to say with this is, let me stop sharing my screen. You don't, you don't need those verses anymore, right, Terry? No. All right, cool. So one thing I wanted to say was, you know, Martha, uh, she probably knew that her brother was dead before Jesus heard message that, you know, Lazarus was sick, right? So she wasn't complaining against Jesus, like, you know, you know, you should have been here. Like she was just expressing her confidence in God. Like she knew the power of Jesus. Like she probably heard about him raising other people from the dead. She probably was present when Jesus raised other people from the dead. And now she's saying, as there, there's no doubt in my mind, you could have raised Lazarus from the dead. But that's the kicker. You know, Martha thought it was over. <laughs> she thought her brother was gone forever. And she wasn't even thinking. It didn't even cross her mind that Jesus could raise him from the dead right now on the fourth day. Right? Because three days had already passed. Again, in that custom, in that culture, the Jews thought a soul would linger around their grave. And then after three days, they'll go off in glory. So she limited Jesus to, if you were here. That's the kicker in verse 21. If you were here, my brother would not have died. So one question I got for you guys, you know, is how are you limiting God? Are you limiting God today? Because one of my main points I got for everybody is oftentimes our faith is crippled by the little word if. If, you know, if you were here. What you mean? Like, why are we limiting God? And so and that leads me to a picture I want to show everybody, but my screen just stopped sharing. Were you going to say something, Terry? Well, I mean, I was just going to, you know, kind of tie in with what you were saying was, you know, it's like the reason that she was like that is because we expect God to show up in a way that we understand. Right. We 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 expect God to show up a certain way. Well, when she said, well, I was why weren't you here? And God's saying I already was. Yeah. I just wasn't here in the way that you think I should be. Right. I didn't show up in your situation the way you thought I should. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it in the timing that you thought I should do it in. Right. I'm God all by myself. Who are you to tell me when, where, and how? Mm-hmm. I, I'm God. You're not. You don't tell me when, where, and how. I tell you when I'll show up and how I'm going to do it. Right. You know, and and I believe that she was trying to put God in a box and say, I think you should show up this way. We do it. We all do it. We all do it. All of us are guilty of it. Why didn't you show up? God says, I've already been there. I've already made the promise that your brother shall live. You don't even have to believe it because it's going to happen whether you believe it or not. Why? Because my word is not contingent on you. <laughs> my will is not contingent on you. My my. My destiny for the world and for the earth doesn't hinge on you. Who are you to tell me when, where, and how? I'm God, and I'm God all by myself. And I believe that that's where our frustration can come in, 
is because we don't allow ourselves to hear from the Holy Spirit and be open enough to let the Holy Spirit tell us when, where, and how God wants to do it. Right, when, where, and how, man. Like that goes to verse 23. Jesus said unto her, thou brother shall rise again. And in verse 24, Jesus, um, Martha said, you know, I know he'll rise again, but in the resurrection, right? Yeah, in the way, in the way that I think, in my thinking, that it should happen. And yeah. he says, no, wait a minute. So, so, so many Christians want to live the life of victory upon their death. <laughs> and they fail to realize they can live it right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then that's just where their belief system is. You know, can I tell people out there? You got to stop believing some certain things. You have to unlearn some things in order to learn some things. You mm. have to stop doing some things so you can start doing some things. Mm. You know, you got to change some things so that you can start to walk new in newness of life and be able to walk in the things and the promises of God. The, you know, I love the truth where Jesus told the Pharisees, you have made the word of God of none effect by your tradition you know there's so many denominations and so many people living out there in these traditions year after year after year and then they they in they they call it a doctrine and they say this is how god is he doesn't have the gifts of the spirit anymore he doesn't heal anymore he doesn't deliver anymore he did that during the disciple days. The gifts of the Spirit don't exist anymore. The Holy Spirit's power doesn't exist anymore. And you know why they say such things? Because they don't know anything else. Right. And it's because they've been taught to believe that their whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And he's saying here, I don't want you to believe tradition. I want you to believe what I tell you. Right. And if you'll do what I tell you, then you can have what I tell you. Yeah. Hey, so I want to show you something, Terry. So I love Instagram. I love social media. And, like, I post a lot of the posts that really inspire me, right? So, uh, and just the, just show how God works and all that stuff. Because I told you I want to do animation. So this would be a great, like, animated short, right? Of somebody, this is what it looks like when you limit God. Like, just imagine this fountain being as big as the earth, right? And that's how much God wants to bless you. The Bible says, you know, his mercy and goodness will follow you all the days of his life. You know, your cup can be running over with his favor, his blessing, his goodness, just him, just him. Cause that's what it is, right? Yeah. You can receive his, if you don't feel loved today and you feel lonely, you can have a fountain that big that you feel so much of God's love. It don't matter what the world does to you. It don't matter how lonely you feel. You don't feel lonely cause you got him, right? And so all of us come with a little cup expecting God to give us a little bit of love, you know, just a little bit. Like when he wants it to run over, like you got to come with something bigger. You got to come with uh, thousands of cups, right? So you can have so much overflowing and so you can get as much as possible, right? So how are you living in God today? And so that leads to like a lot of quotes I got, like that I posted with that. Uh, I doubt everybody can see it with my screen, but like some of the quotes I said was, you know, when you limit God, you limit the way that God can bless your life, you know? We live in the limitations of the size of our God. You know, never measure God's unlimited power by your limited expectations. And one of my favorite scripture verses is Matthew 9, 29. You know, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. And like Martha, I, I was, it, it's a bold statement to make, but Martha kind of limited Jesus and what he could do. Because after four days, it was over. All hope was lost. And like, that's the thing, guys. Like, 
when you think all hope is lost, when you have reached your lowest point and you just have lost it and you just think it will never get better than this, that's when God shows up. And yep. you just have, to have faith. And that's the thing. She had a little bit of faith. That's all it was, was a little bit, a mustard yeah. seed. And what does the Bible say? All you need is a mustard seed of faith. Do I need to show everybody what a mustard seed looked like? I'm not even going to waste time. But basically, take a pen and look at the little hole in the pen. That's how big a mustard seed is. So all you need is a little bit. And what faith did Martha have? She had a, a little bit of faith in Jesus, whatever Jesus asked God, whatever he will do. Because God hears you, Jesus. Like So, <laughs> so if, obviously, if Jesus asked the Father to raise Lazarus from the dead after four days, he will do it, right? And that's the faith God had to work with. So what faith does God have to work with with you? Do you have faith that in your situation, God can do something? You want to say something? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it, it reminds me of the parable of the seeds. Yeah. And it says that. The, the when God planted the seed in their hearts that the fowls of the air would come and eat that seed mm. and would literally rip the word away from them. Right. But then it goes on a few a few verses later and it talks about the mustard seed of faith. And it says that the smallest of seeds now becomes the very tree that gives the fowls of the air shelter. Man, wow, we could preach this message for five nights. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, just think about that. The smallest of seeds. The devil and the haters are going to try to take it away from you. But isn't it amazing that the very haters that put you down have now become the ones who depend on you for shelter and covering? Mm -hmm. You know, the very smallest of seeds, the very smallest of promise of God has now produced you to become the biggest tree in, in the forest. Yeah. Not for you, but for your haters. Mm. For the lost. For the ones who put you down, for the ones who beat you down, for the ones who said you'd never amount to nothing. For the ones who hated you enough to try to steal your seed. And God said, nope, I've got a place and a purpose and a destiny for you. And I'm going to raise you up to be a covering for many, many people. And the very many people that you're going to cover are the very ones that hated you the most. Woo! Mm -hmm. Doesn't that sound like the gospel? Yeah. Doesn't it sound like Jesus? Doesn't it sound like he, yeah. he died for the lost? He died for the haters? Can I tell you that we were the very same people that said put him to death and, and free Barabbas? Mm. Yeah, the very stones that people throw at you become stepping stones, right? And yeah. It, you know, yeah, go ahead. Your destiny is far bigger than you can ever understand. Your obedience is key, not only to yourself, but to everybody else around you. Yeah. You know, as fathers, as mothers, as, you know, coverings for our family, as husbands, as wives, as, as just believers in general, man, we have the responsibility to, to, to walk this thing out. Mm -hmm. In a world today, when the world is in utter chaos, the economy is crazy. 
everyone wants to blame the president and all of our leaders for everything that's going wrong in today's society. Can I say that, that, that what's going on right now is because we as the church have allowed it. It, it, It's not president Biden. It's not Camilla Harris. It's not president Trump. It's not all of our political leaders. It's not the pastor in the church. It's not, the leader of the denomination. It's it's not the boss at work. It's not the police who police the streets every day. It, it's not them. It's you. It's me. It's all of us who refuse to be like Martha and run after God. The Bible says that if we will humble ourselves and fast and pray and seek his face, that he will heal our land. That he will make a way in every possible situation that you see that you can't make it through. You know, one of the greatest things that I love about being involved in ministry is going after the people who have the least hope. I understand the concept of what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to save the righteous. All you pompous, religious people that think you're all that in a bag of chips. Can I tell you that you're not? I'm not. Sean's not. None of us are. But to the willing and to the people who are willing to give it all up. John the Baptist had the right idea. He said, I must decrease so that he must increase. Paul had the right idea. He said, I must make a decision to die daily. We've become so desperate like Martha. We run to Jesus and then we tell him how we expect him to deliver us. And God says, I'm not the God of your box. (laughs) It's really amazing because if we look at the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus didn't die inside the most holy place. Jesus didn't die inside of the inner court. He didn't die in the outer court. He died all the way outside the temple. On a hill called Golgotha, place of the skull, the place of death. So that everybody who was caught up in a place of death would have the ability to find his life. And that's where we need to be at church. We need to become so hungry that like Martha, we refuse to take no for an answer and we go after what belongs to us. If we as a church will develop that attitude, then everything that's going on on this earth has to go away and victory has to be. And with that, I'm done. <laughs> Let's go to verse 24. Um, Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So like yep. we've been saying, she assumed that she had to look ahead 
and wait until a future time for her to see her brother again, Lazarus. And that's how some of us do. Some of us look ahead. You know, when when this happens and when that happens, or well, especially Christians, when I get in glory, when I get in heaven, that's when, you know, you don't have to do that. God wants to bless you now. God wants you to experience heaven here on earth right now. God wants you to experience more of him right now than ever before. And, like, that's us limiting God and what he can do. So, like, and then just talk about our situations in life. Like, we think it will never get better than this. Like, this is it, right? But God is at work. And we got to have faith. The mustard seed of faith is all you need for God to work. That's it. So, yeah. Yep. That's that. And then uh, how do you feel, Terry? You ready to go to sleep or what? Like, no man i I, you know no but you know i feel like you know all of this needs to be digested in pieces man you know just like all of us man we digest our our revelation in pieces you know and and we give it to them a piece at a time you know and um i'm i i just personally want to say sean thank you because um you know, my friends that watch this video, you're you're probably going to be wondering, like, what is Terry doing? Um, it, you know, I had a worldwide ministry. I was on TV at least twice a week for a while. And my ministry was big, man. And we had some setbacks and some bad choices and some bad decisions, man. And I, I just want the world to know that um, I'm still here, man. I'm still here. The devil tried to take me out, but I'm still here. I love Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. I declare it open to everybody. And um, God is good, man. And, and you know, the only thing, you know, don't don't try to judge everybody by the ability to be able to make every decision that's right, because we're not as human beings. We just don't. However, with that being said, the only thing good about any of us is Jesus, man. And if you don't get nothing tonight from this message, man, get this. God is good and God wants you to have his life where you can experience life in the fullness of who he is. And and if we live anything other than that, then we minimize the gospel of Jesus Christ. And me and Sean, we are kindred spirits, man. We met each other. We fell in love with Jesus, and then we fell in love with the fact that we could fall in love with each other as brothers in Christ and have the same mindset of setting the captives free. Because if he set, he, if he set us free, he can set anyone free. Because he who has set you free, he who, is, who he has set free is free indeed. Mm-hmm. Free indeed, man. Free indeed. So why? Why is that important? Because you can't set other people free until you free yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at tonight. And I thank my buddy Sean for inviting me on his show to be here tonight. And um, I'm honored to be a part of what you're doing, Sean. I love you, brother. And God bless you. And God bless your ministry. Thanks. Yeah, guys. Like y'all, y'all seen Terry, man. Like this. Perfectly, we do like millions of more videos together. Cause- this was great. Uh, guys, we were trying to go to verses uh, 17 to 27 and then verses 38 to 44. We'll get it. We'll get it. Yeah, so are you free tomorrow, Terry, uh, to do 25 to 27 and 38 to 44? I know we can get through it. I know yeah. I know we can get through it. We just got to start we, at 7. We can do it. We can do it. 
All right, cool. So Terry's going to join us tomorrow, guys. And that's him, man. Like I told you guys, this video is going to be crazy. And we, what's funny is we haven't even got to like the main bulk of the text. Like that's just, yeah. we tore that up with just the setting. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the setting. It, it didn't even get to, we didn't get to I am, you know, the, the, the fifth I am of seven. So I already know we're going to tear up tomorrow, man. So guys, look forward to tomorrow at seven o'clock PM. Uh, make sure to share this video to everybody uh, if you enjoyed it. And you know other people enjoy it. So we're breaking down uh, John chapter 11, verses 17 to 27, then verses 38 to 44. And then also, guys, like Terry told you, man, like support him on his social media pages. So I'm going to post this as well on his social media page. So this is his Facebook page. He shares it with his wife. And then this is his uh, YouTube page right here. So you guys make sure to subscribe. And then click that bell so you get notified anytime he uploads another video to his YouTube channel. And then as well, I'm going to just hurry up and do my stuff. So you guys already know my social media page. I'm streaming live on my YouTube page. This will be on my podcast because, you know, Terry's amazing. I'm streaming on my Facebook page and LinkedIn. So Sean Christopher Jenkins, my Twitter page, Trouble Don't Last, Instagram, Snap, TikTok. So you guys know the drill. Go ahead and, go ahead and follow me on all those. And uh, if you want to see more videos uh, on John 11, go to my playlist on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads right here. So, again, this is my YouTube channel. Uh, we got a lot more content coming from you guys soon. So uh, I pray that God keeps on blessing it. And I pray that Terry, man, man, Terry, I hope we can do more videos together, man. This was great. <laughs> Amen, brother. All right, guys. I'll talk to you guys later. And y'all thank Terry as well, man. But, Shouting him out on his social media pages and everything. And uh, DM us questions. DM us questions. Comment on our posts. Uh, any questions that you have that you want us to do a video on. I have a lot of questions that I need to do videos on. And I'm definitely going to utilize Terry for that. So, guys, I'll talk to you like talk to you guys later. Peace out. Peace out.